Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, he, he got it. He, he it got deep. it. We're going he got home. it. Mike Zanino <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Amen, brother. Good speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Give me a baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Welcome back to the Soto Mojo podcast. We took a little break there after Jerry DePoto depressed us all by not doing anything in August, and the Mariners completely fell out of it. This is our our white flag podcast, I guess you'd say. We're surrendering on the 2018 season. Um, you know, it was a fun ride, but right now, with 12 games left, the Mariners basically would have to run the table, and the A's would have to play 500 ball to have any real shot. But anyways, I'm joined today by Ty Gonzalez, the co-side expert here at Soto Mojo. So, Ty, how does it feel to officially be waving the white flag of surrender on 2018? Liberating and very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little too familiar. Yep. There's one thing we're good at as Mariners fans. It's recognizing when you're screwed. So, (laughs) it's just, you know... It's sad, and of course now the Mariners are playing pretty good baseball now that they're out of it. And Of course. Yeah, it would actually behoove them to lose these games. They're going to go ahead and win uh, just because they can't even lose at the right time. So Remember when they got um, eliminated that one year and they had a chance to get a top 10 pick if they just lost the A's in the final game and they, they ended up winning like 4 to nothing or something? Yeah, it happened a couple years ago. They lost. The, they won the final game of the year, and it gave them the 11th pick, which yeah. is like the worst because then your first round pick's not protected. And I think they wanted to go sign. I can't remember who. There was a pitcher who got a qualifying offer that Seattle was interested in, but they weren't willing to give up the 11th pick for. I want to say it was like Wei Yun Chen or something like that. Somebody mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. then of course there was the time in 2009. I want to say you know. Maybe it was 2010. They uh, they went into the final series with the Oakland A's. It was a four-game series. All they needed to do was lose one time, and they would secure the number one overall pick. They, they swept the A's in a four-game series, got the number two pick. The following June, the number one overall pick was Steven Strasburg. And the second <laughs> overall pick, the Seattle Mariners selected Dustin Ackley. So. And then 18 other teams passed up on Mike Trout. <laughs> So, you know, it was (sighs) – the Mariners can't even lose when they're supposed to lose. That's depressing. So, anyways, as we mentioned earlier, we're waving the white flag, which means we're going to start transitioning to the offseason. You might have noticed it up at the website. We're slowly starting to move that direction. Um, You know, I was really hoping a couple months ago that we would be talking about 
the pennant race and, you know, the pitching matchups going in for the week and all that fun stuff. But uh, just wasn't meant to be. It really wasn't. And, uh, you know, that's that's really disappointing. Um, I'm sure we were all looking forward to watching playoff baseball for the first time in 16, 17 years now. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of things were out of their hands. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that all of their trade deadline moves were a huge letdown. Tui Valala got hurt. Zach Duke came into his first game, gave up a home run, which was something he hadn't done his, the entire season. Adam Warren's been shaky. Cameron Mabin has been a, you know, mediocre player, which, I mean, he pretty much was when they got him. Um, you know, things like that happened. Uh, injuries started to catch up. And uh, the offense just suddenly all – every offensive player suddenly hit a slump all at once um, in July. And then that lasted all the way through August, and they lost a lot of games. And that's why they're here. And also, the A's went on an historic, unbelievable run that I am still confused how they sustained that. <laughs> um but they did, and you know the Mariners still at this point would be a National League playoff team, <laughs> you know. Yep. But yeah, um, it's an interesting year because the Mariners could legitimately win ninety games. I mean, they need to go seven and five in their last twelve to get to ninety and not make the playoffs. That's <laughs> that's really confusing because. I think if you told anybody at the beginning of the year that the Mariners would win 90 games, they would all tell you that's a huge success, right? Yeah, and aren't they only a game behind the Indians right now? Yeah. It's so, so if they were in the, so if they were in the Central, like we're, you know, mm-hmm. things would be a lot different. But yeah, that's what happens. It's baseball. That's what happens when you're in a division with a, with such a juggernaut like the Astros. You know, when you get surrounded by a bunch of other pretty solid teams. That's what happens, you know. You see that in every sport, you know. But most divisions usually get stacked at one point or another, and it so happened to the Mariners this year. Um, you know, because even when you look at the West, the Angels and the Rangers, for how bad their re- record makes them look, they haven't been terrible teams this year. They've been, like, absolutely atrocious. I mean, the Angels are a poorly run team. But that's That's something we could, but we could do a whole podcast on that, especially for how they did Otani. But, um, but yeah, you know, the AL West was a really good division this year. Might be the best division in baseball this year. Um, and uh, yeah, that you know, it's just tough, and and this team wasn't built to withstand that. Um. Somehow the A's were, <laughs> but who knows how that happened. But, um, yeah, I, I I just can't believe that Edwin Jackson and, and Trevor Cahill and uh, Brett Anderson took that, they helped take that team to the playoffs. But okay. <laughs> yeah. So 
I mean, now that we've kind of wrapped up the 2018 season, you know, it's time to look ahead to what is personally my favorite time of the year. I love baseball, but I think I might love, like, the off season more. Same. Uh, yeah. You know, I definitely miss baseball when it's not on, but at the same time, I just love rumors and trade ideas and all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, that's where everybody gets to dream. You know, it's it's a, it's a great time the off season. So uh, today, on today's podcast, we are actually going to discuss really the three directions that the Mariners could go this offseason and probably land on which way they are going to go. Um, I think we all know which way they're going to end up going. But we'll discuss all three possibilities and uh, just have a nice discussion about that. And uh, that'll kick off our offseason podcasting. Does that sound good to you? Yep. All right, let's do it. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Ty, but for me, there are three ways that the Mariners can go this offseason. They can either rebuild, mm-hmm. stay the course, Ugh. or they can okay. go or they can go all in and push their salary all the way up to the luxury tax. Am I missing anything? Nope. Nope. Alright. So I guess let's start with what let's let's start with uh staying uh staying on their current course right now, what exactly does that mean to you? I mean, well, it, that kind of strategy has its own merits, but to me that just makes them seem uh, complacent, right? Um, that just makes them seem like how this team has always been under uh, Jerry DePoto. Good, but not good enough. Um, you know, the rotation, uh, as as surprisingly good as it's been this year, for the most part, it, it, it definitely needs to be beefed up. They cannot go into the season thinking that Wade LeBlanc is going to be their number four and... You know, and rely on, you know, because another thing here is that Felix is under contract. Felix is probably going to be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just saying that depressed me. All right. But anyway, um, you know, they can't rely on everything going right again. Um, because a lot of things did go right this year. Um, you got surprised contributions out of guys that were, you know, they were only supposed to have a quick cup of coffee here. Um, but that, that cannot continue, but that's probably what's going to happen because that's just Jerry DePoto's thing. He's been playing it safe, which is weird because he's been one of the most aggressive GMs in baseball but when you actually look at the players that he acquires, they're very safe. Mm-hmm. Or they have a high floor and a low ceiling. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's just it's hard it's hard to look at that and and get excited about that by another year of just acquiring guys like Ryan Healy and D Gordon. And the thing about this year is Jerry DePoto doesn't have much to trade this year. He has to go into free agency 
to to improve this team. They, he just cannot do what he's been doing. The trade route, that's not going to get this team better. He doesn't have anything to trade. Kyle Lewis isn't going to snag you an all-star like many people think he will. And because um, the way that I look at Kyle Lewis now is very similar to how I look at Tyler O'Neill. And that, and like I think Kyle Lewis would get you something better than a Marco Gonzalez, but not much better than that. Mm. So yeah, yeah. For me, staying the course means that Jerry Depoto continues to look for value, uh, specifically on the trade market, because Jerry hasn't made many deals that are going to, or have the potential to, you know, sink the Mariners for years. Um, you know, I know everybody loves to point out that he made the trade for Drew Smiley and all that stuff. Honestly, at the time he made that trade, that was a perfectly legitimate trade. It's unfortunate that Drew Smiley got hurt yeah. and never threw a pitch, but there is nothing in that trade that the Mariners are just going to, oh, they can't recover from losing that guy. There's nothing in that trade. Yeah, I'm not losing sleep over Luis Gohara, Ryan Yarbrough. Malik Smith. I mean, yeah, Malik Smith. Malik yeah. Smith is probably the guy, but again, I mean, but they got Malik Smith to give him to to Tampa. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't like they were planning on having Malik no. Smith on this team. No, that's the thing is that I I know people have oh look at basically people hate that trade because they look at prospect rankings and they say Gohara's fifty whatever and they're like oh see how could he not know blah de, blah de, blah. I, honestly, the closest thing that I've seen that Jerry Depoto has done that had the potential to really hurt the organization long term was Tyler O'Neill for Marco Gonzalez, and he actually ended up winning that trade, or at the very least, he didn't lose it. Mm-hmm. And he's played it very safe, like you said. He's given up Taiwan Walker, who was never going to really reach his potential. He gave up Kettle Marte, who's a nice player, and he got Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger. I mean, even you look at this trade deadline, what did he give up? I mean, the best player he gave up is Bryson Brigman, who I, I know that we both liked, but at the same time, his yeah. ceiling in Major League Baseball is probably like Mark Ellis, if you remember him. Yeah. Like, that's probably – they didn't give up much, and he's still a huge question mark. So, for me, standing pad is just kind of sitting there going, you know – hey, Ryan Healy for Emilio Pagan, there's no way we're going to lose that trade. We might not win it, but we're not going to lose it. I mean, D. Gordon for Nick Nider, we're not going to lose that trade. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but we're not going to lose it. You know, it's just one of those things. For me, staying the course is Jerry DePoto goes out this offseason. He tries to find guys that he likes more than the team that has them, and he tries to acquire them for what he feels is a discount. And... That's a smart approach. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, for where the Mariners are right now, I don't think it's an approach that's going to put them over the top. And the guys that they get, you know, they don't really complement the whole team as well, right? You know, you got these superstar players that are playing on superstar contracts, Cano, Seager, Cruz you know, Felix, et cetera. Yet, I, I, I think there's, like, too much of a gap in between the veterans and the young players 
I don't think there's like many middle of the road guys that that kind of balance your team and give you solid production. Mm-hmm. I think it's just everyone's on one side of the spectrum or another. And um it's hard to to figure out how to fill uh, how to fill that you know middle portion of that roster and you know and because guys like d gordon and ryan healy they aren't that mitch hanniger is that mitch hanniger is kind of like he's not a superstar but he has the potential to be an all-star and give you great production he's like one notch below george springer right it's funny that you uh, uh, you mentioned Hanniger real fast here. I was, yeah. I was just pulling up his stats, and according to Baseball Reference, you, do you know what his WAR is this year? Uh, four, I don't know, four something. Five point seven B WAR. Damn. Yeah. Uh, if you guys aren't big WAR fans, basically five is considered All Star level. Anywhere between four and five is considered All Star level. Uh, when you get to seven and eight, that's MVP consideration. So, uh, just wrote this year, Mitch Haniger has played somewhere between All Star and MVP level baseball. Um, but yeah, you're, I, I think if part of the problem is, is that if Mitch Haniger is your best player, which it certainly seems like he is, yeah, is that good enough with the rest of your roster? And that's the problem. It's like. And that's why I was saying. That's why I was kind of equating him to to a George Springer, right? Mm-hmm. Because. George Springer is a great player, right? Yep. But he's not the reason that the Astros are winning you know, championships. Right. He's not uh, Altuve. He's not Correa. He's not Bregman. Yeah. But he's good. Yeah, he's really great player. You know, he's solid defensively. Hits, you know, a lot of home runs. Also, Fangraphs does not like Mitch Haniger as much as Baseball Reference. Uh, he only has a four F four. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, but yeah. So there, there's. I actually haven't seen quite a divide like that yeah. between Baseball Reference and Fangraphs. You get it every once in a while. I, I forget what the exact. One of them values defense more than the other, or something like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way, Mitch Haniger has been very good this year. Yeah, and um, yeah. So you know, that's what I'm saying is like, um. I don't know. I just I don't see a balance in this team. I think I see a lot of projects and I see a lot of older players, and then you have, you know, these middle. Uh, you have Mitch Haniger being kind of your middle of the road, really good player, not superstar player, but really good player. But that's it. And you know, I, I know you can't just go out and grab a Mitch Haniger out of thin air. Um, but you need to aim for guys that like that, that give you solid production. That somebody like Ben Gamble. Yeah, you know, some yeah, that someone that's like Ben Gamble, someone that's like Denard Span. Um, you know, you need to aim higher, and I think that's only obtainable in free agency. Um, because there's just, there's a lot of projects that they work on. You know, they get Ryan Healy, who 
Yes, he has a lot of power, but then he's he doesn't walk, and you're in you know for the off season you constantly hear Jerry Depoto saying, oh, he's going to work on his plate approach, and he's going to you know work on taking more balls and you know working counts, and um, you know it just it, that doesn't happen overnight. And when you are a team that claims to be interested in reaching the playoffs. You can't just rely on everything to go right mm. and then think that you're going to be able to fix it in the middle of the season if it doesn't go right because that's when you have to make trades and you don't have a lot of trade capital. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, specific, it was specifically to Ryan Healy. Um, the guy's actually a really good, like, six weeks, ever since Robinson Cano came back. Um, Healy's hitting like 276 with a 326 on base. I mean, yeah, th- that's a, I saw that. Yeah, that's a useful player. Like, I mean, yeah. But again, you need. It's funny thing is, is that this year not everything went right for the Mariners, and yet they still have a pretty good shot of winning 90 games. So a lot of things did go right. Um, so yeah. like, if I wanted to be Mister Optimism and I wanted. Here's what I think the argument is for staying the current course, right? Yeah. The argument is that, hey, the team won 90 games this year, and a lot of things went wrong that could easily go right next year. Robinson Cano should be here all year next year. Kyle Seeger can't possibly be worse than he was this year, right? That guy's a hard worker. He's going to put in the time. He will improve. D. Gordon played pretty much the entire season with a broken toe. A speed guy who has a broken toe. Yeah, I would think his production would decline a little bit. Right, and I I think that's Ryan Healy takes the next step. We're starting to see him, you know, walk a little bit more. Where he's been pretty good yeah. for the last month, you know, he's he's going to take a step. He's only 27. He'll hit his prime, and I think you can make that argument. I think the problem with that is is that, you know, it's well, that's all great, but what happens if Mitch Haniger takes a step back? What yeah. happens if Nelson Cruz finally falls off the cliff? And that's assuming you resign him. What happens if one of your starting pitchers has to get Tommy John surgery? You know, it's yeah. just. And and see, that's the thing. So, like, you're talking about, like, how Healy has finally turned things around. And obviously it's too little, too late for this season. But just going into the season with questions and then claiming that you have or that you are going to be a playoff contending team like they did so much. You know, they had all these high production videos that they posted on Twitter about we're going to end the playoff drought and it's time to bring playoff baseball to Seattle, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you can't do that if you're bringing in guys that, well, if he does this, he will work out. You know, you can't be like, oh, D. Gordon is going to play center field which is a position he's never played and he's going to be awesome if he can learn it right and um or you know the the pitching rotation that was the Mm -hmm. huge thing going into the season they didn't do enough to solidify the pitching and obviously we found out that it probably was for the best that they didn't sign alex cobb or lance lynn or even jake arietta um but still um I mean, honestly, those guys are probably still an upgrade over Felix Hernandez. Yeah. And that's part, but, I mean, of the, part of the thing, though. Like, I wrote an article a while back about five reasons the Mariners 
weren't, weren't going to be in the playoffs this year. And one of them was the lack of moves to address the most obvious flaw on your team that everybody saw. Like, this isn't just like, oh, you had to be an insider and who saw that everybody saw it coming. The starting pitching staff was going to be a problem. We all knew it was. And it took them how long to take Felix out of the rotation? And they did it for one start. <laughs> it's it's just, I think, let me see if I can summarize your point here, because I think I can. You cannot be, or you cannot seriously consider yourself a playoff contender if your starting lineup is going to regularly include Mike Zanino, Ryan Healy, Guillermo Heredia, and a slumping Kyle Seeger all year. Like, you can't. And D. Gordon. Yeah. And an injured D. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, you can't have that many holes in your starting nine. You can't have that. And you can't have your bench be so weak that Andrew Romine is on your team for an entire year. I swear if Christopher Negron is the utility player next year, I'm going to lose my mind. I can't do it. I can't do it with these poor players. Because no team, no contending team, has a bench this bad. No. No contending team employs an Andrew Romine. Like, or like Christopher Negron. Like, no, stop. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like that Michael Jordan video. Stop. Yeah. Get some help. <laughs> it's yeah. I. And this is definitely a topic we'll discuss when we get really into the bones of the off season. But uh, for me, if you're looking at the utility spot, that guy for me is D Gordon. Um, he's shown that he can handle shortstop. We know that he can at least go out and play center field. And if you can play center field, you can play left field. He can play second base. I don't think he's a guy who should be starting 145, 150 games. So for me, D. Gordon's that guy. But, again, we'll talk about utility options in the offseason because you're right. You cannot – you just – if you're going to be a playoff contender, which the Mariners are going to try to be if they choose to stay the course, that's – right. I mean, they're saying they're yeah. going to the playoffs. You just can't have wasted. You can't waste a single twenty-five man roster spot because you're not good enough to do that. You're not and that's the narrative we're going to hear all all yeah. off season from Jerry Depoto is, mm-hmm. well, we were a ninety win team. Yeah, you know, if that's what happens, you know, yeah. if they let's say that they win the like nine of their next twelve mm-hmm. or something crazy. You know, we finished the season strong, and we were right there. You know, it just so happened that we were in a division with the A's and the Astros. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But the problem is, yes, you are in a division with the A's and the Astros. And the Angels will probably be, you know, decent. And the Rangers will probably be decent. And you can't just be this middle-of-the-road team. Because that's where they are. They're middle-of-the-road. They're third place. And... They have to get better because another thing is the the A's aren't going to like suddenly go out and start spending money. No, it's not like the A's are going to get much better than what they are right now. They're not going to get Bryce Harper. Um, that's just not going to happen. So you can overcome the A's at least the Astros. That's another story, but you can get better than the A's this off season. Um, and that should be the goal, at least. For me, the goal should be to build a team that can win the division. Uh, you know, plan B should always be a wild card. 
And for yeah. the Mariners, it's been plan A for a long – it's been plan A since before the Astros were good. They're like, oh, let's try and sneak our way into a wild card. No, you can't – you fall into a wild card position. It's like the Yankees. The Yankees didn't come into the season saying, well, Boston's going to win the division, so I guess we'll just stand pat and we'll be good enough for a wild card spot. No, you build a roster good enough to win the division, and then you see what happens. So, I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, to me, staying the course isn't that attractive. Um, yeah. But I do think that it's probably the most likely option or the most likely scenario. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. No, I, I know that's what's going to happen, and it's going to irritate yeah. the hell out of me. Yeah. Because I know I know it's going to be like, well, we were in this position, and we will, we're going to be great this year. No, yeah. no. So, yeah. so let's jump ahead and let's go to uh, what would happen if the Mariners all of a sudden decided that you know what we're going to be we're going to take this winning thing seriously, and we're going to go spend a lot of money this off season, which is I would say is probably the second most likely occurrence. Um, yeah, is that the Mariners say screw it and they go out and they acquire they go out and they sign. Patrick Corbin to a six-year, $135 million contract. I'm so down for that. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the to me, that is the right move. And not, not specifically Patrick Corbin, but just this idea of we're going up to the luxury tax if we have to without any hesitation because we're 18 years in. This core is not getting younger. That's the other thing. Mitch Hanniger is not 23 years old. Yeah. You know, he's 28. James Paxton's about to turn 30. I, Marco Gonzalez even is going to be 27. I'd like yeah. Janine Segura is going to be 29, 30. So, I mean. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I I disagree with you. I totally think the player is Patrick Corbin. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 That, that's the, that above everything else, if we could get Patrick Corbin, I'm good. I'm good. Like. Yeah, but just in like a grand sense, like we don't know if Corbin even wants to come yeah. here or not. But yeah. When you look at this free agent class, there are absolutely players that help the Mariners. Um, it's I'd say it's a better free agent class than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's know, a very good free agent class, actually. It is, and I don't think, and I wish this weren't true, but I don't think you know Bryce Harper or Manny Machado is even like on their radar just because I don't think they're going to waste their time to be perfectly honest with you but a guy like Patrick Corbin really does help I mean he's probably probably your number one or number two if you were to sign here you look at guys like Michael Brantley who are out there he's a really nice player AJ Pollock yes he gets hurt but he's still a really nice player mm-hmm. um and I guess I should clarify this when I say the Mariners go out and they spend big this offseason I don't mean they go out and they sign you know, Nick Marcakis to a four-year, $48 million deal. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like... I'm okay with that. I'm, yeah, I'm okay it's with it's that fine, kind of deal. but for me, that can't be it. That, and mm. like, you can't just say, yep, look, we signed, we went big. We went out and we got, you know, Marcakis, who's really good this year. We went out and he got him, and that's our big signing. whoop de doo I mean, that. so you're still not close to the Astros. Yeah. When I say go out and spend big, I mean their starting payroll going into this offseason is going to be about 
145, 150 million. Um, I'm assuming they'll re-sign Nelson Cruz. There's just not going to be a huge market for Nelson Cruz, so I think he probably comes back here. So I'm guessing they're going to start the year, or the off season at about 165. Luxury tax is 195. If they're going to do this, they need to go up to 195. I mean, and yeah. so signing, so that that's to me what going all in means. So just signing one good player, that doesn't cut it for me. I mean, now there's also the avenue that they can go out and they can say, okay, we're going for it this year. We're going to sign, you know, Nick Markakis, and we're also going to trade Kyle Lewis and this and this for Matthew Boyd, and you know, we're going to go out and we're going to sign. I don't Cody Allen or whatever, you know, to be a yeah. eighth inning guy for us. Okay. That that's fine. But yeah. I mean, I don't know for me, this is the scenario. I think most Mariner fans want. Yeah. Now this like quickly and, and, and we're, we're not going to get too deep into like future free agents and targets, et cetera. But one thing that I did, one thing that I did want to mention though, Mm-hmm. How good this rel- uh, relieving market is this year? Yep, it's going to be very hard for Jerry Depoto to screw this up like he has the last few years. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very hard for him to get a Mark Sepchinski, Juan Nicasio type. There are a lot of good relievers on the market. He should definitely dive into it. Um, yeah, I, I you know just some of the names that I thought of Craig Kimbrell. Um, I don't think that's possible, but you know, um, David Robinson, yep. uh, Andrew Miller is, you know, um, Zach Britton as well. Those are those are the names that, if you want to make this bullpen really dangerous, that's what you do. Yeah. Because um, you know you have Colomay, you have Diaz. That's a really good you know ground to to build or really good foundation to build upon. Mm-hmm. Nicasio will be back and. I mean, I know people think Nicasio is just this awful pitcher, but the underlying no. numbers say he was good. I mean, he ran into some bad, he had some bad outings, and I think the knee was bothering him all year long. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, if, if that's I like Nicasio as my, you know, for lack of a better term, sixth inning guy. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy that I want to use in the middle of the game. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, well, he can he can be a long man because I mean, he's he was a starter, so. Yeah. We can use multiple innings. I mean, you talk about guys, even guys like Adam Ottavino. He's going to be available yeah. this offseason. Ryan Madsen. Sergio Romo is a good pitcher. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, Brad Ziegler is a free agent. He's gonna, he's a nice, useful piece. I just, there's a lot out there. and. But if you're going to spend, you got to get one of the top guys. You know, you can't just be like, I'm going to get Brad Ziegler and I'm going to be good. You know, you got to get... Mm-hmm. David Robertson, you got to get Cody Allen, Zach Britton, Andrew Miller, one of those. That's that lets me know that you're serious. If they go out and they get AJ Ramos, I'm not going to be inspired by that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that the Mariners could go out and get a couple of nice players, but they don't need nice. They need like exceptional. They need to go get one of those top six or seven guys. Um, excluding Harper and uh, Machado because I I'd love to live in the fantasy land where I thought that was possible but I don't. So No, uh, I've told I've told you and you mm-hmm. you don't think that they'll waste their time. I do think that they'll pursue him. 
I don't think they'll get him, but I think they will at least talk to him, or at least try to. Yeah, I just, it's tough for me to sit here and say that, you know, Harper's going to have any interest in coming here. Yeah. Um, I think they absolutely should, like, at least reach out to his agent. I mean, there's no reason not to, but it's just. Now, what if, now, let's just, let's just say this. Let's say that Jerry DePoto goes against everything that he believes in, and he offers Bryce Harper a very Cano-esque contract. Ten years. I think he'll say add a hundred million dollars to it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Is that I don't like if we're going to talk about Harper. uh, I'll say this about him. To me, if I'm Jerry Depoto and I say you know I'm going after this guy, I don't care what it's going to take. I'm not going at it with years. I'm going at it with upfront cash. Yeah. And that's going to be tough for him to do because, like, he only has about, at most, $30 million before he's right up against the luxury tax. Yeah. So that's why, for me, it's hard to see it happening. Um, if the luxury tax weren't an issue, like, if you were able to somehow trade Kyle Seeger or, you know, and create just a little more space. I think that is a possibility. I think Seeger does have value. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, it dep- I mean, you know, it depends. Um We'll see. Um, but obviously, you know, you can't trade. It, like, please stop tweeting us that we should trade Felix. That's you not can. going to happen. <laughs> Felix Hernandez is going to be on the Seattle Mariners in 2019 unless he retires. It's it's yeah. that simple. Which, hey, that could happen. I mean, with how depressed he looks. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it would be really sad to see it happen, but... Yeah. At the same time... It would probably be the best thing that could ever happen to this team, though. Yeah, for the Mariners, I mean, that's, like, best-case scenario. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, You know, like you said, there's a lot of good free agents out there. And I guess the reason we're focusing so much on free agents, and you mentioned this earlier, is that the Mariners don't have the prospects to go get the top-end talent that they need to actually do this thing in 2019. Um, so they're going to have to spend money, you know, that's how it works. And, you know, a few of the guys that we've already mentioned, Patrick Corbin would be great. Um, but you know, there's guys out there like Dallas Keuchel, you know, he's pretty good. There's guys out there like, uh, sorry, like, uh, Charlie Morton. He's really good. Um, yeah. you know, hopefully both of those guys leave the Astros. Yeah. Because that, that that levels the playing field a bit. If that if that Astros rotation does take a hit, then that that brings them down a little bit, and that gives you an opportunity. An opportunity if you go out and you spend money on like Patrick Corbin or yeah, like let's say even what if they what if they go out and they sign like this is crazy hypothetical. I don't even know if this is like a possibility. Let's go out and let's say they sign Matt Harvey to a one year deal. As kind of a, hey, you know, you had a pretty decent bounce back. Come to Seattle. It's a great park to pitch in. You're going to up your value, and then you'll hit free agency after this year. So they go out and they sign Matt Harvey to a one-year deal, and then they also go out and they get, I don't know, Tyson Ross or whatever on a one-year deal, kind of recoup some value. And then they go out and they spend their money on, you know, hey, let's go get Michael Brantley to be our left fielder. 
Mm-hmm. And so now they have two upgrades in the rotation. They have Michael Brantley, and then they say, uh, you know what? Screw it. We still have some room to play with. Let's go sign, I, I don't know, Yasmani Grandal to be our starting catcher. You know, that's a way that you can kind of spread around the money a little bit and still get significantly better. But I think I'm with you. If I'm spending big money on one player this offseason, it's, I mean, it's got to be a pitcher, doesn't it? It has to be. And it has to be a top-of-the-line pitcher. It has to be Keichel or Corbin. It has to be. If you are going to spend any significant money on the rotation this year, it has to be one of those two guys. Because I'm not, I'm, I, I don't even want to spend that kind of money on Charlie Morton. Because I've seen what Charlie Morton has been, and what, he, but what he was mm-hmm. before he was on a winning team. That could be a really bad contract yep. if things turn sour. So I rather go for a proven, like fully proven mm-hmm. commodity and. Keichel, who, yes, he's had a couple of down years sprinkled in there, but... Keichel's a number two, you know? Yeah. That's that's what he is. He's a solid number two. And Corbin is an ace. Um, Corbin uh, right now is... Six, Corbin's worth 6.3 F4. 4.8 B war. But, yeah, I mean, look, this year, he's been an ace. There's no denying that. Yeah. Uh, calling him an ace over his entire career? No. True. True. Uh, but I, again, I'll say the guy's 29 years old, you know, he won't turn 30 until next July. So six years, he gets out at age 35. I'm just assuming six, by the way. I have no idea. Yeah. We're all, these are all crazy hypotheticals. Nobody's leaked any numbers or anything like that. But just in case you guys don't know how good Patrick Corbin has been this year, 309 ERA in Arizona, by the way. Pitching in Arizona. He's made 30, uh, 31 starts. This is the second year in a row he's made 30-plus starts. 192 innings, a 2.43 FIP, a 1.026 uh, whip, 11.1 strikeouts per nine, and a 2.0 walks per nine. Uh, so, yeah, he's been an ace this year. There's no denying that. And, I mean, he was really good in um... – in 2017, um, you know, 2015, 2016, he was dealing with injuries. Um, I think he did. He have Tommy John because he missed 2014 entirely. I think that was Tommy John, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and then uh, the the year before that, uh, 2013, he was amazing in 2013. Yeah. 208 innings. Um, He's a yeah, solid that, number two. Yeah, I mean, yes. So <laughs> I I think that is the guy. Um, yeah, but a lot of teams are going to go after him. The Diamondbacks are going to want to retain him. Um, yeah, but the Diamondbacks are pushing up against that their internal payroll. Um, yeah. They have A.J. Pollock also out there. I think they'd prefer Corbin over Pollock, but they also have, to, they also have a bunch of young guys coming up on uh, arbitration. They're going to have to do something with Paul Goldschmidt sooner than later. So yeah. uh, I think the Mariners have a legit shot to get in on this, and... If I'm not mistaken, there is a connection between Patrick Corbin and Jerry Depoto. Yeah. I now, think he traded him away or traded mm. drafted something. I can't remember exactly what it is, but there is a connect. They have crossed paths before, right. and you know, Gene Segura would tell you, you know, sometimes that matters. 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so the the uh, big picture here, when we, we kind of we went against our rule going into this podcast that we didn't want to talk about names, but if just if you're going to if your plan is to spend big this year, really shift the tides. The you cannot spend significant money on any other pitcher other than Patrick Corbin or Dallas Keuchel in my mind. Yeah, I would throw Morton in there only if I can get him for two years or less. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's 35. He's not really sure how long he wants to keep pitching. So if I can get him for two years at you know 32 to 35 million dollars, fine. Uh, that's fine. And but basically, for me, it's all about the Mariners have roughly. $35 million to spend before they get to the luxury tax and they need to spend $30 million of it. Now, are the Cardinals still paying Mike Leake's contract? Yes. Mike Leake okay. is owed $11 million a year flat for the rest of his contract by the Mariners or if they trade him by whatever team acquires him. So yeah, he's only making $11 okay. million on the payroll this year. Okay. Cause I was thinking maybe that's another candidate to free up some payroll. Um, sure, but then you have to replace him. I mean, yeah. if, if they're going all in, they would have to replace him. Because yeah. going all in would require them saying that we're, you know, we're going to try and win this year. So, mm. but yeah, Jerry Depoto's creative. He might, that might be an option that he takes. So, mm. um, so yeah, that's what going all in looks like for us. I mean, for me, it's spending 30 plus million dollars. Um, and I actually think it's, Here's why I think it's more likely this year than it was last year, all right? And this is also going to come up when we talk about our final option, which is a rebuild. Is that Felix Hernandez only has one year left on his contract, and after that there will be $27.5 million coming off your payroll in tw- after the 2019 season. That's a huge total, and it's so much easier to finagle these contracts when you only have to do – when you only have to push the money back one year. So the guy we talked about, like Patrick Corbin, let's say that they offer him six years and $120 million, just to keep it simple, right? You could actually, this year, you could say, okay, here's the deal, Patrick. We're going to give you, in year one, $12 million, right? And then in year two, we're going to give you 18, and then after that, it's $24 million for the lot. What I don't know if that math added up or not, but you get the idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the idea is you stagger the contract so that you can still spend more this offseason, knowing that you have this humongous chunk coming off your books next year. Um, so that's why I think it's more likely they can go in this year and go all in, because I think players are very receptive to backloading a contract by a year. Yeah. I think they're a lot less likely to do it by two years. So I, I think that's why a going all in makes more sense this year than last year. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see how the how the market um plays out this year, you know. The the market was so weird yeah. this past past season. Um so, you know, <laughs> well that that's you know the Mariners' success within free agency also is is a little bit contingent upon that um, going a lot more smoothly than it did last year, because the Mariners are an aggressive team. But if these players are 
waiting deals out, waiting teams out. Yep. Uh, once again, then that's going to be a problem um, because then it ultimately builds up to a bidding war. Um, and uh, the Mariners just aren't that kind of team. You know, Jerry Depoto is a very aggressive GM, but he's also a very safe GM, and he's not going to throw crazy amounts of money at players that he doesn't feel give them that kind of value. Um, yeah. So... Right, and I, I don't think either of us are advocating signing a guy just to say you signed a guy. Yeah. Like, if you can't get Corbin or any of these big names, I'm not saying you go out and you give Jay Happ, you know, three years at $60 million just so you can say, look, we spent all this money. No, because that's stupid. I mean, but if there are legitimate opportunities, and I believe there will be, to go and sign a really good player, but you have to give him really – good player money, you have to take it. You have to take that opportunity. Um, and I'm with you. I just don't think they will. And it's sad and it's frustrating, but, uh, you know, I I hope I'm wrong because that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for allowing us to take our little break. And we are back and we are going to talk uh, Rebuild. Uh, which is, I think most of you guys know what that is, but Ty, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what you see in a rebuild? Burn it all. <laughs> Burn it all to the ground. <laughs> I this is the this is the um, the strategy that I would like to go with, mm-hmm. uh, and that I would attempt to go with if I were the Mariners general manager, but I am not. Um, however. You know, you mentioned it when we talked about um, the going all in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that these players are older. You know, Mitch Hanniger is almost 30. James Paxson is turning 30. Marco Gonzalez is t- going into his, what, year 27 year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's... Um, it's hard to see a sustainable organization with your best players being, you know, close to 30 or over 30, et cetera. Right. Um, so what do you do? You, you sell. And while that sounds painful and gross to many uh, fans of this team, um, that have endured a, in a, hor- a horrible, horrible 18 year stretch. Um, it might be necessary. Um, because even when they did go into a, you know, the rebuilding process with, um, uh, you know, uh, towards like the end of the 2000s, et cetera, they, they never went fully in. You know, Ichiro was still there. They traded Ichiro when it was too late and didn't really get much value for him. Um, they need to... I I view a going full in on a rebuild would be more beneficial to this team than going all in in free agency would. Um, getting younger... Getting, because if we look at what the Braves are doing this year, what the Astros did, and everyone goes to the Astros, but it's true. The the Astros were able to build 
a contender out of young players and solidifying them with solid veteran presence. Um, and that's what you can do. Um, and you have a lot of guys that you can sell very high on right now. Mitch Haniger is one of those. And as much as I love Mitch, you could get quite a lot for him if you try to trade him, I'm sure. Uh, Edwin Diaz could get you a player like Glaber Torres. That That's a real possibility. Um, you know, Gene Segura is another guy that would have quite a bit of value. D. Gordon doesn't have the kind of value that he did when you traded for him, but you could still get something for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Kyle Seeger, you probably, if you were able to trade him, you wouldn't be able to get much for him, but you get the, you get the, you know, numbers off of the books, right? If you are able to get rid of him, though, you probably would have to fork over some money for his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, James Paxson would have yep. insane value just because he's a starting pitcher, right? And start all starting pitchers. I mean, look what the Blue Jays were able to get for, for Jay Happ. Um, yep. Paxson says two years of club control as well. Yeah. And, yeah, Paxson is injury-prone a bit. And, you know, I'm sure he has a, that reput- reputation to a lot of clubs. He's a number two. I but mean. he's still he's still a really good pitcher, and starting pitcher value on starting pitching in the trade market is just absolutely insane. And yeah, you're not gonna get Chris a Chris Archer type of deal, probably. Probably but, not. But I mean, Paxton yeah. is better than Archer pitch for pitch. It's just yeah. But what? Yeah, you're not. Yeah, and so, but you could get real, something really good. So I think. They're not going to do it, but it's just because we, we talked about how their narrative going into this year will be we won 90 whatever games and we didn't make the playoffs and it was just, it was bad luck and blah, blah, blah. And we're, we're right there. We know that's what the narrative is going to be. But for this team to truly sustain a winning, you know, to get to claim a winning culture and then sustain it. They have to get younger, and they're not going to do that just by drafting because the, you know, they they they're playing middle of the road ball, which is getting them middle of the draft picks, and that's not how you build a ball club unless you are the greatest drafting GM ever, and Jerry Depoto isn't, and you know he's done a nice job of somewhat turning the the farm system around i don't think it's as bad as the one that he inherited but it's not great no uh and it's not and and another thing is you know acquiring young players not only gives you the opportunity to build a team with a couple of budding young controllable superstars like a Ronald Acuna or Glaber Torres you know how these other teams have done but it also gives you uh, capital to mm-hmm. trade. Um, so if things do turn around maybe quicker than you expected, or you know you still want to be aggressive in free agency and, re- and rebuild that way, you can go out and acquire other 
better talent than you could right now if you if you had that young talent. Um, which I mean, that's still possible with like a an Edwin Diaz. You may be able to trade Edwin Diaz for a good major league player, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you rather have a package of three really good prospects? You know, let's say like you can go to the Braves and get one of their top starters, um, like a you know Soroka or a, a Anderson, and you can get Christian Pache and William Contreras. You know, you could do that, and I think that's more viable for you in the end. Yeah, the nice thing about if the Mariners started the off season or started the their teardown or their rebuild today, well, you know after the World Series when you can actually make moves and all that stuff. But if they started that this early, the nice thing is is that they don't have to take what they can get for anybody you just mentioned. Edwin Diaz is here for four more years. Yeah. Like, you don't have to trade him this offseason. Yeah. Now, this is probably when his value is going to be the highest, but if baseball doesn't give you what you want for him, you just keep him. He might be worth more in July. Relievers are usually worth more in-season than they are in the off-season. You don't have to trade Mitch Hanniger. He's here for four more years. So Marco Gonzalez is here for four or five more years. I mean, these pieces that Mike Leake is here for two more years. You know, Seager's here for three more years. D. Gordon's here for three. You don't have to trade these guys if they don't get the value that you want. Now, you should absolutely listen on all of them. And if you get something that you like, then you take it. But you don't have to do it. And that's the nice thing about this, uh, about if the Mariners decided to rebuild right now. Um, I think Diaz gets you the most. In fact, I don't really think it's debatable. But uh, because I I think for me, if I'm Jerry DePoto and teams are calling on Diaz, first of all, I'm listening on Edwin Diaz, whether I'm going for it in 2019 or not. Yeah. Whether I'm rebuilding or I'm staying the course or I'm going all in, I'm taking those phone calls and I am listening very carefully because. And even if you are going for it and you do trade Diaz, like we talked about earlier, the free agent market for relieving for relievers is really good. And you also have Alex Colomay, so you don't necessarily have to fill the closers role. Right. And plus, if there's one thing I feel really good about Jerry DePoto doing, it's finding bullpen talent. Um, he's done a nice job, and I know people will point to Mark Zepchinski, and yeah, you know what, he whiffed on that. But other than that, he's been really good at identifying guys. He's moved a few guys out of the rotation into the bullpen in the minor leagues, and that's worked out really well. I trust Jerry DePoto to build a good bullpen. Um, so if I'm, like, I just, this is a hypothetical, right? But let's say the Minnesota Twins come to you and they say, you know what, we have a lot of money to spend this offseason. We're going to spend it. We like our good young core, and we feel like a closer is going to take us over the top. What if they offer you Royce Lewis or uh, Edwin Diaz? And, yeah. Uh, Royce Lewis uh, is a the number one overall pick in 2017. He had a really good year. I mean, he's a shortstop. He's got good – he's plus speed, plus hit tool, average power. I mean, he's a really good player. So if you can get him and – I don't know, like uh, a start, like Kyle Gibson, maybe. Then that's yeah. something that you have to consider. I mean, I'm not again. You don't have to do it either. That's the beauty here. Yeah, but I think it should be said that if 
you were to, if you were able to find a really good deal for Edwin Diaz mm-hmm. and then find another one for James Paxson, you would go from one of the worst farm systems to probably the best. Or, um, at, or least at least top like 10. top or at least top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, there's the White Sox. There's um, Padres. Padres are really good. Um, Braves. If you were to make a trade with the Braves, the Braves would still be really good. The Braves have, the, I think the Braves are the likeliest target because they would need a closer and capital. and they have yeah. excess. Mm-hmm. They have way more capital than they really need for where they're going. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean Kobe, Colby Allard is their eighth ranked prospect right now by MLB Pipeline. Yeah. By uh, the way, just for comparison's sakes, if I was if Kobe Allard joined the Mariners organization tomorrow and I was redoing our prospect ranks, he would be my number two prospect and with a really strong case to be made that he should be number one. I mean, that's how good the Braves yeah. farm system is. Yeah. Um, and like they have William Contreras, who I, who I mentioned, he's a really, really good catching prospect. Um, yeah. And he's like their number 12 guy. Yep. So that's, you know, um, there there are ways that you can make this farm system very, very good, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And with only, by only losing probably two players and two really good players, like amazing, you know, all-star level players, but one's a closer and one's, you know, a, a starting pitcher that unfortunately has been known to be injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can eat that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that gives you the opportunity to be better for the future. And, you know, it, it's I don't think that trading Edwin Diaz um, takes you out of contention whatsoever. I, you know, a close. You know he's he's been very valuable to the Mariners this year, especially because of how many one run games they played, right? Um, but he's a closer still, and mm-hmm. he's a really amazing closer. But he's still a closer. Yep. And um, and you know James Paxton would hurt your chances because you would have to replace him, and that. Doesn't necessarily make you better, but I think if yeah. you're trading James Paxton, you're rebuilding. Or as if you just trade Edwin Diaz, you still could conceivably compete in 2019. Um, it, you know, it's possible that you could. For example, the package that the Rays got for uh, Chris Archer, which was just a stupid package. I mean, my God, yeah. if yeah. the Mariners could get 80% that, 90% that for Paxton then, yeah, you might be able to compete this year because the guys that the Rays got were either in the big leagues already or super high upside and potential fast risers. Like, I mean, Shane Baz was the player to be named later in that deal. Yeah. Shane Baz would be the number one prospect in the Mariners' farm system, <laughs> probably by a long mile. So, I mean, it's like... And they got Tyler Glass and uh, yeah, Austin, Austin Meadows. Meadows. Yeah. <laughs> If I could get two of those guys, I would trade James Paxson in a heartbeat. And, you know, it's just one of those things where 
again, like we mentioned, the rebuild is probably the most painful for Mariners fans, and I'm guessing that's why most of them would prefer to go the other way and spend all that money. Yeah. I I just think I that's... Just, I'm not in love with this team, <laughs> you no. know? And I, I, I have a connection to a few of the players, but... I just I don't really care if they're the team that does it or not, and I think that's why I'm I'm able to separate myself from that and be able to go all in on a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't find myself attached to all of these players as I thought I would be this year. Sure. Um. And yeah, I. I but if if we're like let's let's talk about this real quick. I think you can stay in contention, or I, I think you can trade four of these players and still stay in contention. Edwin Diaz, D. Gordon, um, Kyle Seeger, and let's say Mike Leak. Mm-hmm. I think those are four guys that you could probably realistically make a deal for, at least two of you know, the you know, two of them and, um, and get good value back. Right. And, and stay in contention. And I think that is a path that Jerry DePoto could go down. I mean, he says that he listens to offers on every player, which he should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I think, even if you trade these one of those guys or two of those guys or even three of those guys that I mentioned, you're still in a solid spot and you can always supplement those holes with, you know, free agents. And you also get better prospect capital, which you could flip or you could develop, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Um so that's another route that you could go where it's a soft rebuild, if you would. Sure. Yeah. It, I don't know. I think part of the, my problem with that approach is that it's a lot of what we've already seen. Yeah. It hasn't worked. I just, I don't know. I, I agree. I think there is a probably a fourth option that we didn't list, and that is that the Mariners sell, but try to compete i'm not quite sure what the yeah. word is for that but i mean it's it's pos- it's I like actually, a soft reboot yeah and i think if you're doing that then what you're saying is is that for me at least you're saying that if that's the route uh, that's the route you take you're not trading a guy like uh mitch Haniger, and you're yeah. not trading a guy like marco gonzalez i mean you could trade marco gonzalez um, but I do think that they see a future with Marco, Marco Gonzalez um, more so than they see a future with James Paxson, maybe. Um, I think if you're going to do a soft reboot, you have to trade James Paxson and you have to trade Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Because those are the two pieces that can actually bring you back. Like Mike Leake would probably going to bring you back a nice prospect because yeah. his salary is so low. Yeah. And there's plenty of teams out there who could use a number four innings eater. And like we said, the starting pitching value on, on the market is just insane for anyone, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, like I could totally see a team like, I, I don't know, the Nationals, they want a number five. 
and they look at Mike Leake and they go, hey, you know, he's whatever, and we're going to give up a guy who's been kind of a knucklehead in our organization but still has a lot of upside, like Seth Romero. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of upside there, and they say, you know what, it's not going to work here. Let's move him for an innings eater that we know is, like, super safe. You know, stuff like that. But I think the only two guys that are going to give you – I guess for me there's three guys that could absolutely change your farm system, if that's what you care about into a top 10 unit, and that's Mitch Hanniger, it's James Paxson, and it's Edwin Diaz. And I think in order to get where a lot of Mariner fans want to be, you have to trade at least two of them, and one of them has to be Edwin Diaz. Mm-hmm. And so I I do wonder if maybe there's a deal where you can stick Seeger in, it, in there. Like, I don't know. Like Edwin Diaz, right? Let's say you trade yeah. Edwin Diaz and you get an Andrew Miller-like package, which was, I believe, uh, Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield and somebody else, if I'm not mistaken. I just I can't quite remember. Well, what if you attach Kyle Seeger to that? You pay half of his salary, and instead of getting that third prospect who's like a B-plus, you take a C-minus prospect that you like. I mean, that's a possibility to shed shed payroll, too, if you're just looking to rebuild. Or maybe you could get, like, I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I I just, and again, we talked about this when they were going all in. It's a lot easier to rebuild now when you know you have Felix's contract coming off the books. Yeah. It's a lot easier to plan for this now. And, you know, when you have $28 million free, like there's a there's a chance that the Mariners could completely turn around their fortunes in a rebuild in two or three years. Like, yeah, I, I don't like I, I mean, it depends on, like, what kind of prospects you get back. If you're getting, you know, A-level players that have a ton of upside, you know, if you're getting, like, Royce Lewis, who's two to three years out, yeah. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, it would. But you could also say you were able to get someone like Austin Meadows, you know, Tyler, you know, like that kind of level prospect. That's basically, you know, he's a top prospect, but he hasn't, you know, like let's say Clint Frazier. Let's say that you make a deal with the Yankees and you give them James Paxson and you get Clint Frazier, right? That's the kind of player that helps you to the point where you could turn things around in a year. Yeah. Um, I would, like, what if you could get, like, Clint Frazier and Sonny Gray? Yeah. I mean, Gray's only got a year left, but he does help fill the James Paxson void. And you get Frazier, who the Yankees have soured on, or at the very or least. You, or you even, you even mentioned Justice uh, Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, if you want... If you want immediate return, you go out and you ask the Dodgers for Alex Verdugo, who's gotten some time in the major leagues already. Um, and he's crushing it in the high minors. Like, guys who have a little bit of major league experience, but you're sacrificing some of the upside for value right now. And to me, if you're trading Edwin Diaz, or I guess James Paxson, because like I said, with Diaz, you can go either way. You could sell yeah. him and still be in it, or you could – he can be the centerpiece to your rebuild. 
so, but to me, if you're trading James Paxson, give me the upside because that's the signal to me that we're not competing in 2019. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, unfortunately I think that, I think you and I would both like to go down this route. Um, yeah. I just don't see any scenario where Jerry DePoto actually does. And, uh, you know, it also, it also gives us more to write about <laughs> yeah. if, uh, if a season like that, because, you know, you get to analyze different players and talk about things that are going on in the farm and it actually makes the farm exciting to talk about, which is something that we haven't had in a long time. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. I just, well, I mean, not that long. Cause you, you remember when we were all excited about Montero and Ackley and smoke? Well, let's not go Smack down that. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that was uh, oh, and Danny Holton and uh, uh, James Paxton and Taiwan Walker, the big three. <laughs> yeah, that's Nick Franklin. There's only like oh my God, Nick Franklin. Like Ten years ago, the Mariners had like a top five farm system, and they all sucked. Except like the best best out of that group is Ben James Paxton, no contest. And the second best prospect to come out of that grouping since then, is probably Kyle Seeger. And it's like, Seeger's a nice player, and, uh, you know, I know this last year was terrible, and the year before that wasn't very good, but and the Mariners hit a home run with that draft pick. There's really no... Yeah. But other than that, it's it's been rough, I guess, Yeah, would be the correct word, but I don't know. So, just come, kind of summarize here. Um... You and I both agree that the most likely option is where they kind of stay status quo and they make yep. incremental upgrades. I just, I know that's what's going up. I know yeah. for a fact. I, and I'm, and I'm saying this because I want to warn all of our listeners. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I think we both agree that the second most likely uh, scenario is that they spend a lot of money, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the least likely scenario, I guess the third third scenario would be a uh, a hard rebuild, a hard rebuild. Yeah. And then fourth would be a soft rebuild. Yeah, and I, let's rank these in terms of fun, right? Uh, the funnest is I, a hard rebuild. Fun, yeah. Number one is hard rebuild. Number two is the spending a lot of money. Yep. And then it's like number three is. Uh, uh, yeah, and then uh, number four would it's be the this. one that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's the one that's going to happen. Yeah, so I mean, it is what it is. But uh, anyways, that's just kind of a uh, a broad overview of the off season and the different routes the Mariners could go. Uh, we did talk a little bit about uh, specific players, but it was for the most part a, a generalization. Oh, do you know who we need to talk about real quick? Sure. Daniel Volgaback. <laughs> All right. Our Let's boy. Make, shout make out to, happy. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Colton. Uh, Soto Mojo contributor Colton Swanson. Uh, okay, so I'm watching the Seahawks game last night, right? Mm-hmm. Very irritated. We won't get into that. Flip on the, the Mariner game, and look who's pinch hitting. It's... Daniel Vol- Vogelback, our large adult son. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Vogelback, it's a pinch hit grand slam to beat the Houston Astros. 
in Houston. How about that? Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> it was because just like you, I was watching the Seahawks game and I was flipping back and forth, and I just happened to flip as they announced Vogelbach, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this entire at bat just because I was mad at the Seahawks, really. <laughs> but I was like, I'm gonna watch this entire at bat because something amazing is going to happen. And it might just – I don't – I wasn't expecting a grand slam. I was expecting, like, Vogelbach to, like, hit a ball to the fence and get thrown out at first base or something like that. <laughs> so it's like – I was like, something entertaining is going to happen here, so I'm just going to watch and see which one, see which way it goes. And, of course, he cranks one 400 feet into right center field in the bullpens, and you're like – I mean – by the way, not in the starting lineup today. God forbid you give him another day. See, and that's the thing that, you know, I talked about in our first base preview uh, for free agency. They're going to trade him. Yep. Um, he, you know, with Ryan Healy on the team, and you got Cano who can also play first now. And, you know, who knows what the future may hold in free agency. Maybe they get a Matt Adams or they trade for someone. Who knows? Um, they know Volgebach's just not in their future the, uh, plans. They they haven't made the attempt to let him play ever um, on a consistent basis. I don't think they're going to they're gonna start that in 2019. Yeah. He He's out of options, so he has to make the 25-man ro- roster out of spring. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Um, he's one of those guys that's probably going to get traded for like international slot money. Um, or maybe a one for one. Um, Colby was on Twitter and he was talking to, um, what's the, uh, the fan sided, uh, blog for Detroit. Sorry. I'm forgetting. Uh, the name. Let me see. It's like think... motor city, something motor city Bengals. Yeah. So he was talking to, to our friends over there and, they kind of made like a joke trade for uh, straight up for Mikey Matuk uh, for uh, Daniel Daniel Volgebach. Yeah, the, the, you know a trade like that could happen. Um, I think it's more likely that it's just slot money, um, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Vogelback's probably not going to be a Mariner in 2019, um, and hopefully they hopefully they do trade him and not just let him walk after spring. Right. Um, hopefully they do get some, even if it is slot money. I'd rather get some sort of value back for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it just it's kind of a bummer because the dude has just crushed AAA pitching for like three years now. And you know, I know a lot of I know he kind of has a cult following, but at the same time, it's really hard to blame the Mariners for not. I mean, not not right now. He should be playing every day at this point, just because why not? But it's really hard for me to blame them because if the guy doesn't hit, he's worthless. He gives you no value defensively. He gives you no value on the bases. You know, his power at the major league level is probably going to be about 20 home runs, 25. He needs to hit. Like, yeah. if he can't hit, He's worthless. I mean, if he goes now, the a al- slump, he the goes alternative slump, he hurts you. The alternative option here is that Nelson Cruz goes elsewhere in free agency 
and Daniel Vogelback becomes your full-time DH. Yeah, but that goes back to your point of you can't have, you know, all these question marks at major, yeah. you know, in the lineup every day and expect to compete. And I think you and I just got done saying that we think that they expect that they're going to compete in 2019. I just I don't see how you can do that with Daniel Vogelbach uh, in your lineup. I mean, no. certainly not with Ryan Healy around. So it feels like the Mariners have to make a decision, and it, but it also feels like at least Ryan Healy can play a below average first base, whereas Daniel Vogelbach has been more or less a butcher at first base. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh. and I don't think Vogelbach's bat is significantly better than Ryan Healy's or even better at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. Um, I'd like to see him play for the rest of the year, but, uh, doesn't look like he's going to. So, yeah, it's sad, but, um, you know, you're going to get better. Uh, Daniel Volgoback probably doesn't make you better in the long term. Um, I just, you know, we we both don't really just see a whole lot of value in him. He's fun. He's a fun player. Um, he makes but, a lot uh, of sense for Kansas City or Detroit. Yeah. You know, a team that... He's can, a very AL Central type of player. Yeah, because every team in there sucks. So, I mean, <laughs> they're going to throw him at first base and his defense won't matter because they're going to win 67 games anyway, so... Yeah. It makes sense there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe kind of sort of in like Tampa Bay where they're always looking for young guys who need at bats. I just, you know, it's just not a lot of options for them. Yeah. And I, I just don't see Nelson Cruz going anywhere, but here's a, if Nelson Cruz goes anywhere, but Seattle, it's probably going to be Houston. So, I mean, I just, uh, I yeah, <laughs> I just, I mean, you look at the teams and the American League teams, most of them anyways, don't want to use the DH on one player, right? That's just not something they're interested in. And the guys who, the teams that do, Oakland, uh, Boston, they already have Martinez and Chris Davis. And the only other team I can think of that uses an exclusive DH is, uh, is Houston, who uses Evan Gaddis there a lot. So, Or maybe he finds a team that lets him play right field. <laughs> God bless that team. <laughs> I just, maybe he goes to the Rangers. Uh, I mean, that would suck. But uh, I just see, I just see Cruz coming back. So I just, I don't see a spot for Vogelbach, but uh, you never know. We don't know how things shake out. I would think if the Mariners rebuilt and surprised everybody that Vogelbach's probably a guy you keep because he's not going to bring you anything. And it won't matter if he's a terrible first baseman because you're going to lose anyways. You know, so yeah. other than that, though, I just don't see a scenario where he's on this team after this year. That's kind of a bummer because they gave up a pretty good player to get him and they just never really gave him a shot. And that's that's a bummer. Yep. All right, so I think that'll probably wrap things up here. We uh, we got to talk about the initially three ways that the Mariners could approach the uh, off season, which morphed into four, and then we also got to talk about 
uh, soon-to-be former Mariner Daniel Vogelbach in his big grand slam. Uh, it's a pretty good episode. Um, as we mentioned earlier, after the regular season ends, we're going to start talking more specifically about individual players, um, trade ideas, trade targets, things like that. Um, but again, while the season's still going, we don't know who's in, who's going to be a contender this offseason, who's going to bow out. We don't know any of that stuff yet. So while the regular season's still going, we're going to be more big picture in the offseason. But once the offseason starts for the Mariners, which will be in two weeks, then we'll start talking specific players. So around October 1st, we're going to start going really heavy into, you know, could the Mariners look at this guy to play first base or is this guy a good seventh inning option? That's when we're going to start really hunkering down and focusing on those things. So um, if that's what you like to read and that's what you like to listen to, then uh, you're going to be very excited in about two weeks. I, I know Ty's excited to write about that type of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm so I'm so stoked. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the best time of the year for guys like us. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I just I guess we'll just wrap things up right there. And uh, Ty, do you have any final words? Um, the Seahawks should fire uh, Brian Schottenheimer. Okay, <laughs> and the Mariners should fire Scott Service. So that's true. Yeah, from all of us here <laughs> at Soto Mojo. Sotomojo.com and the Sotomojo podcast. Uh, you know, have fun, guys. It's almost over, sadly. And, uh, you know, the rallying cry of the Mariners. There's always next year. And we'll see you guys <laughs> in another life.